Good morning. I'm Deacon Faye Patterson with our Sunday School lesson for today. Would you please join me in a word of prayer? Gracious and eternal God, we come this morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We pray that your Holy Spirit will lead and guide and direct this lesson, dear Lord, and may we all do what is pleasing in your sight as we learn more about your word. Forgive us of our sins. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So today our lesson is Paul Sails for Rome. It comes from Acts chapter 27, verses 1 through 2, and then verses 33 through 44. Our aim for change is that by the end of the lesson, we will know how Paul's faith in God enabled him to remain calm in the midst of a storm, appreciate how our relationship with God helps us to cope in a crisis, and witness to others about relying on God's strength when facing crises. Our in-focus summary involves Lamar and Joyce's son, Drew, who was injured during military maneuvers overseas, and he had been in a military rehabilitation center for four months. Once very strong and athletic, Drew was now paralyzed from the waist down, but they were grateful their son was alive. Drew's response to his disability enabled his parents to not be resentful for his situation, and they came to appreciate Drew's faith in Christ, how it enabled him to respond to this life storm with cheerfulness instead of bitterness. They attended church, hoping to experience some of the peace that Drew had. How we weather life's storms reflects whether we truly have confidence in God's faithfulness. Today's lesson shows how Paul's calm response to a storm helped to bring others to safety. A little background on Paul. We know that he was called Saul before his Damascus Road experience. He was a Pharisee who persecuted Christians. He was also born a Roman citizen. Paul had rights as a citizen. He was guaranteed a fair trial before prosecution. He could not be crucified except on the emperor's orders. He could appeal to Caesar as a last resort to attain a fair trial, and his status allowed him to carry the gospel to jailers, shipmates, kings, and to the emperor of Rome. Paul also had responsibilities as we do today. As a citizen, he had to vote and pay taxes. As we said, Paul was required as a citizen to vote and pay taxes. But what does the U.S. Constitution ask of American citizens? We are only asked to do two things, according to a judge uh, that I heard speak once. He said that all American citizens are asked to pay taxes and serve on jury duty. That's a small price for being a citizen. Following his Damascus Road experience, Jesus sent Paul to preach to the Gentiles. Jesus came to Paul in a trance and told him to leave Jerusalem immediately because the Jews would not receive his testimony. After his arrest, the Roman soldiers wanted to scourge him, but they could not because of his Roman citizenship. He was brought before the Sanhedrin to face charges. To scourge meant to beat severely with no more than 40 lashes. Instruments of torture could contain weights, knotted cords, spikes, etc. to increase the pain. 
As you recall, Jesus was scourged before his crucifixion, and we find references to scourging and, and beating in Deuteronomy 25.1 and John 19.1. Jesus told Paul that he would testify of him in Rome as he had in Jerusalem. The Jewish leaders went to the chief priests and elders to have Paul transferred from jail so that they could kill him on the way. Paul's nephew heard about the plan and told Paul and the commander of the jail. The commander sent a cavalry of 270 soldiers to escort Paul to Felix overnight. Paul was accused of inciting a riot among the Jews worldwide. He was kept in jail until his accusers could be heard. Basically, Paul was only guilty of being a Christian. A friend of ours once asked, if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That is something for us to seriously think about. Now let's get into the text. Our first section of scripture comes from Acts 27 verses 1 through 2, and I will be using the NIV version, and this portion is called the calm before the storm. And before we get into the scripture, I'd like to pronounce this word. It's the place where they sailed from, and it's called Adrumitium. So verse uh, 1 says, when it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from Adramidium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. So let's discuss verses 1 through 2. The calm before the storm is an old expression that is really self-explanatory. It means that something bad is getting ready to happen, even though it doesn't seem like it right now. Paul was headed to Rome to have his case heard before Caesar. He had been under house arrest in Caesarea for two years, but he was not found guilty of any charges. As an experienced traveler, Paul knew there were very high seas from mid-September to early October, and mariners didn't sail from mid-November until after February. Unaware of the approaching storm, Paul and the experienced sailors set out to sea. To whom do you think the word we refers in verses 1 through 2? Perhaps it was Luke, since he is the author of the book. Have you ever faced a ferocious storm in your personal life that seemed to come out of nowhere? How did you handle it? Have you ever encountered a life-threatening experience? How did you handle that? Julius the centurion respected Paul for his, their mutual faith. Another of Paul's converts, Aristarchus, was also on board. He had been seized during the riot at Ephesus and was accompanying Paul to Jerusalem with the offering they had collected. First, they sailed very slowly. About 50 miles out of Caesarea, they encountered a very bad windstorm and had to abandon that ship to board a grain ship that was headed to Italy. This did not help because it was not the season to be on rough waters at sea. Paul had experienced over 11 voyages totaling over 3,500 miles. He tried to advise the guards of the dangers of sailing in winter and urged them to stay in port, but he was ignored. 
Why do you suppose the crew refused to listen to Paul's concerns? Could it have been that they had a date to keep with Caesar and were determined to arrive at the proper time? Because of their stubbornness, they faced typhoon or hurricane force winds for the next 14 days. It blew them off course about 700 miles. It was a miracle and a blessing that Paul was able to maintain calmness as a witness before Julius, Aristarchus, the guards, and the prisoners. About verse 28, it became clear that they would have to plan to abandon this ship because the water was becoming more shallow. Section two is called Calm in the Storm, and this is verses 33 through 38. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Although there were 276 of us on board, when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. So let's discuss the calm in the storm. After two weeks of fasting, Paul repeatedly encouraged the men to eat. Their survival depended on it. Despite the violent, persistent rain and winds, and the fact that most of their food had spoiled or become rain-soaked, he assured them that they would arrive safely based on the angel's message. Paul played the role of comforter and paraclete for his shipmates as Jesus had comforted his disciples in John 14, 26. His steadfast faith and concern for his 276 shipmates saved him from being thrown overboard. In Acts 27, 21, Paul tells them that they should have listened to him before heading out to sea, but he is gracious about it and doesn't try to rub it in. After they had eaten, their focus had to be on saving their lives rather than saving the cargo. What does scripture tell us they did in order to save their lives? They had to make the ship lighter so that it would not float so far inland and run aground. They also didn't want to get so far out that the men could not swim to shore and be saved when they abandoned ship. They accepted Paul's prophecy that God wanted them to survive the ship destruction. What might have been the consequences for throwing a cargo of wheat overboard when they eventually arrived in Rome? How was Paul so calm during the storm? He had a four-step plan that he used to stay calm. First, call on God during crises. Calling on God during a storm is paramount for Christians who want to calmly weather that storm. Paul feared there would be a loss of life during this storm. God sent an angel to strengthen Paul and to deliver a divine message. Second, Paul anticipated God stepping in to save him. Paul anticipated God's salvation and expected to live. He surrendered all to God, his will, his emotions, and his plans. Next, Paul listened to God's instruction. He listened to God's instruction to fear not. 
That was in verse 27, chapter 27, verse 24. And lastly, Paul made known God's plan, his promises. He told to the others the vision and the promise the angels shared with him. So how are Christians today able to go through our storms and fear not? Section three, shipwrecked but saved, verses 39 through 44. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach, but the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The, the bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered that those who could swim jump board first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. So what was their plan as they approached the bay and the sandy beach? Were they successful in doing so? Keep in mind, there was little technology, not even a compass available to predict the storm or to guide them through the storm. They relied upon seeing the sky and the stars to know in which direction they were heading. Fortunately, they saw a depression, a creek or bay along the shoreline and attempted to run the ship aground at that point. They were at the mercy of the wind and God to guide them towards shore. So I have some other questions for you to think about in this section. Have you ever had someone turn on you in the midst of a life storm over which you had no control? What negative thoughts did Satan place in the minds of the soldiers uh, guarding, regarding Paul and the other prisoners? And that was in verses 42 through 44. How did Julius save the day? And how might the soldiers have felt about returning to Rome with no ship, no prisoners, and no cargo? Just food for thought. Unfortunately, if the guards did not return the prisoners, they would have received whatever sentences the escaped prisoners were due to receive. Many prisoners may have been scheduled for execution before the bloodthirsty crowds in the Colosseum. The cargo was probably to be sold in Rome for the king. Therefore, the king's treasury would not have benefited from the lost grain and other cargo. Did Julius the centurion make a wise decision to save the life of Paul and the other prisoners? In conclusion, it's a good thing Paul stayed calm during the storm. Panic hinders our ability to hear from God and to share his promises with others. What does panic demonstrate to others except fear? Being calm helps our faith to shine through the storms as others observe the confidence we have in God and they gain strength from us as we cope during crises. We cannot handle life's storms without God's help. Storms are opportunities for us to share Christ to bring others to salvation. 
When Satan comes at us, we have blessed assurance that Jesus is greater than he and the negative thoughts that may be placed in our minds. As was stated in our focus lesson, in focus lesson, how we weather life's storm reflects whether we have confidence in God's faithfulness. This concludes our lesson for today. Thank you for attending and please join me for prayer. Gracious and eternal God, once again, we come thanking you for this day and for this lesson. Lord, help us to hide your words in our hearts that we might be better representatives for Christ. Let us show others how you have helped us to weather storms and how our tests have become our testimonies. Father, we thank you. We love you. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.